Uh, born in China's great capital in Beijing, a very famous journalist and radio presenter. 42 years old, which is the age of Emile Marsan when she met her mother for the first time, and that's public knowledge. Um, I, it's almost hard to imagine that, knowing you have a mother, not that you haven't got a mother, you know, that's a different, but to meet your mother for the first time, knowing she was there all the time, and not even a kiss uh, really between them. I moved to London in 97, wrote the seminal text, The Chinese Woman's uh, Chinese women's lives, which was um, really uh, the good women of China. It was called a, a, a revelation. I haven't read it, but I've read synopses. And then I think looking through your CV, Jinran, really your focus seems to be mostly on women and children. Um, a Sky Burial, this absolutely remarkable book, is the story of a woman, a Chinese woman called Shu uh, Wen, um, a Chinese woman who spent years and years, 30 years, uh, searching for a husband to whom she'd only been married for a very short time, who was a doctor and went to Tibet to tend the wounded and disappeared in quite a mysterious way. Nobody seemed in the army to be able to give her much information. Uh, and she, you know... She, it's a story about a most extraordinary woman, written by a most extraordinary woman. Uh, and so I, um, you know, there's a lot of mothering or lack of mothering in Xinran's uh, work. Uh, there's her message from an unknown Chinese mother, which was published, I think, in 2011 by Simon and Schuster. And that, again, shines the spotlight on women who were forced to give up their children because of poverty. Um, uh, these are the daughters uh, that they had to give up for a variety of reasons. Uh, children, too, are featured in Jinran's writings and her columns, newspapers, broadcasts. And one thing that interested me, and I know we're supposed to be talking, we will be talking about uh, the Bami the Sky book, but uh, could you tell us a little, when, when you feel there's the right moment, about the Mother's Bridge of Love, which was the, tra the ch charity that uh, Jinran started? And it seems to involve hundreds of women. I don't know if that's true. You'll have to tell us. But the brief is to help disadvantaged children in China and build bridges between China and the world. And that's what I try and do here, not just with China, but with uh, all Asian cultures <coughs> and, the, and, and Australia and the West. So tonight you're going to talk about the one-child policy, which uh, was started, you'll tell us about it, in the late 70s, early 80s. These children are growing up. The book is here, Buy Me the Sky. We didn't get books here because it's readily available and the Writers' Festival has it. So please give Jinran a very warm welcome and now on to her. Don't worry, you hold your wine, very important. <laughs> Well, ni hao. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, first of all, I really like to take the chance. Uh, uh, thanks to you for coming. Um, personal, I much, much prefer um, this kind of small group because I feel that I can get, have a conversation with the one-to-one -one rather than sometimes thousands of people you just have no idea who you talk to. So this is, uh, for me, quite uh, means a lot 
Um, and also because of this, uh, I would love to have uh, more time to have a conversation with you and with your questions, like uh, my knowledge is like that. So thank you so much for coming. And uh, secondly, as I always said to people, my knowledge okay, about China is very limited. Believe me, because China is a huge country, almost the same size as Europe. Yeah, how many different kind of people there? Far more than whole Europeans. And uh, we speak different languages and the different life beliefs and the pronunciation. Everything's different. And also with the 5,000 years of civilization uh, history, culture. So impossible for me, you know, even I'm quite a little bit old. And uh, no, no, I know that my son called me old mom. So I keep telling me I know that. So, but I still know uh, my experience or knowledge, hard work, uh, homework on China, just one drop of water. Okay, can't explain this big ocean at all. Just maybe even not a one soup cup of tea, just a tiny bit. Then we can share all this kind of knowledge. I love to learn from you as well. And also you can see from my two points, my English is quite struggled. And I tried. The first time I came here to Southern Two, there is a Chinese gentleman come to me say, oh, if you have been living in the Western that long time, you should learn English a little bit better, not speak so poorly. Then I thank him. I think he's the very honest one. But after years and years, I published a book, and my book most published in 30 languages. So I travel around the world. I got my confidence. But uh, early last year, I visited an adoptive family. They have a three-year-old child. The little girl, when I just started talking with uh, her parents, the little girl come to me and say, Xinran, can you speak English? <laughs> that second, I realized that she's the most honest, <laughs> honest person. Okay, so I try my best. If you do understand, we're in a very nice group. Just tell me, and I love to learn. Well, um, I've been here many times. I met so many friends. Actually, one of my book, uh, The Message from Unknown Chinese Mother, I was finished here. I started from uh, Tasmania. Actually, I started, finished my chopsticks, uh, Miss Chopsticks in Tasmania. Then, yes, then I started writing The Message Unknown Chinese Mother in Sydney and was in the Blue Point Road. Yeah, I stayed there about uh, months. And because the, I met so many uh, Australian family who adopted Chinese girls. So I, I need to get this kind of close touch, even I being meet them, uh, met them long time with many countries, across 27 countries, family adopted Chinese girls at least 150,000 of them, all the girls, 
Okay, so this time I come to back to Australia as a part of my book tour after Singapore, New Zealand, Australia. I will go to like、uh, Norway or Holland, but this time is for this book, "Buy Me the Sky." This book is about、uh, yeah, it's about one child policy. The reason I Wanted to write the book or have to write the book. Partly, I am the mother of one child, so I've been through or learning or struggling how to deal with this single child society. I know many Western family you have one child, but in the China you have a whole classroom, a whole school is one child. That's different, very different. The The family attitude, the parents' affairs, the children's self-concern, and the pressure, all the way onto all the different levels. So I feel very much, particularly when there's something disaster happened. The first things I would thought, oh my God, not happened to my son. Last year I went back to China, and、uh, was in Nanjing. I saw the second school, the age between the sixteen and the eighteen. More than two, three hundred parents waiting for their children finish school. I was a little surprised because that is quite old boy children girls already. So I asked the parents. I said, "What are you waiting for? For 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 protect them or to driving them home?" And the one father said, "I'm just worried my son cross road." When I saw the boy, he's much taller and bigger than the father. Yes. Then when I asked the mother, another mother, I said, "What are you worried about?" And then she said, "My daughter just too kind. Everyone she trusts, I'm worried she could be kidnapped in such a modern city. You know, if you read my book, the first chapter, this boy, when I met him, his mom asked me, 'Say, Xin, make sure you open the luggage for him.'" I just couldn't understand. He said, "She said, I promise you." He had no idea how to hang on the clothes. He finished university already. It's a very tall boy, young man. So, and a few days later, I realized realized his mom's right. All his clothes lie on the on the floor. I said, "Why you don't use the cupboard?" Actually, I didn't know this before, because.、Uh, Her mother, his mother, come from poor countryside. China that time, Cultural Revolution just end, so not many family had a cupboard. Yeah, they just folded the clo-、uh, the clothes, put on a piece of the wood. I didn't realize. So this boy had no knowledge. So this kind of things happened again and again. So made me thought about this. So how this young generation grow up? Then when I just feel the is struggle with this overtaxed children, and during my lecture around the world, I met another group. All of come from poor countryside. I think they become my teachers, and also they gave me big hope for Chinese future. I can tell you a few stories. It's really moving. I met this young man. He got a scholarship. He's standing there during my talk. Was very thin man. You can obviously to see this 
man maybe had some health problem. So after end my talk, he come to me. He bought a book, very expensive hardback. So he bought a book. He said, "Could you sign for my mom?" So I said, "Your mom? Where is she?" And he said, "My mom in the countryside." I said, "Your mom can read English?" He said, "No, but my my mom is kind woman in your book." Yeah, in your book. So then I asked. I said, "Wow!" Then he told me, "Mom never left the village," and finally, when he got scholarship, left China, Mom only could see him off at the outside the village. So I asked him. I said, "What's your mom's last wishes to you?" When you say goodbye to mom, then he said, "Oh, my mom said, 'Live well, don't open the window when you are in the air.'" <laughs> yes. So, yes, but、uh, he doesn't. She doesn't.、Yeah. You know, say things. Then what does the boy do? It was very moving touch, and then he saved his scholarship every single day. He only spent fifty piece on chips. So he saved all the money for the mother, because he said, "I want my mom had the chance out of the village to see something, not get out, just have a visit, city or something." Yeah. So that's afterwards when I tried to help this financial support this boy, give him some food at least, and they said just no way. Because he just saved for mother, so finally we decided to make some little game with him. So everybody in the classroom buy the food token, so that he feel that he's a part of them. Actually, we all support him. So this is the one boy always in my life. I think this is a hope of China. Uh, no, because everybody want to help him, but he always save money from food. Then we design the little food token, so give everybody to buy the token. Then, but for him, it's much cheaper or even free. So he feel that is a, you know, part of this food research or something. So which is very good. And another girl in the book as well, and.、Uh, She told me something I never thought about, and、um, she's a PhD lawyer, PhD lawyer from America. You know, very difficult to learn PhD law. And then I said, "What driven you? Gave you this energy to study such a difficult subject?" You know. And she said, "When I was born, because I was a little girl, my father thought he lost face, so he sent me to the poor countryside. Then my grandmom from the countryside say the girl must start working from year four. She was five. She really struggled. She said so tired to do the housework, so she hide herself in the in the toilet. The village toilet is just deep hole." And the two piece of the wood on the top, you're standing there, okay. Then this girl, and she said, this is the only chance she could relax and escape from this kind of labor work. But she 
sitting, uh, the standing there, she watching the tiny how do markets, markets, markets. Thank you, markets. Yeah, and uh, little by little, and uh, climb up the hole. Normally, they use more than half hour. Okay, climb up. Then most of them, when they turn to the edge, they drop back. So she said, because those mortgages, and she said, I won't be one of them. So each single exam, she thought about that. So she passed exam, exam, exam. Yeah. Because because she studied very well, so yeah. village sent her to the little yeah. town. Then she got a very top result. Then little by little, she become a quite a local good student. Yeah. So this is the story. When I met her, then she said, in China we have more than seventy three percent of the peasants farmers. We hardly being educated. But that doesn't mean we don't have the energy or hope for the future. We can make it. When I heard about this, I feel that yes, that is I'm looking for. I spent years, years looking for this kind of energy and beliefs, but very difficult to find from the city, because most young people from one-child policy really overprotect. Really is when the policy started from 1979, and uh, lots of peasants farmers are against it. So government make the policy change a little bit until 1984. Said okay, if you have a, you are in the countryside, you can have a two children. Okay, because you have to have a son, otherwise you are criminal, of the whole village, of your surname, your family. This is our culture. So then, uh, for the minorities, a very small percentage of the Chinese population, you can have children as many as you can. But, but actually, there are very less. Just the fifty-five of the different group only, you know, less than five percent of the population. So well, so since the policy come in, the problem is government didn't. Set up the system or society to support the family, so lots of fam family had no idea how to do it. And the worst thing is because we are in a small group, I like to share something I never talked. Is worst thing is because this policy, lots of people feel difficult to accept it. So lots of doctor has this kind of secret order. So when the woman gave the Gave the birth to the first child, they have been surgeoned, so you lost this kind of opportunity forever, and even you lost uh, your how do you say function of the this kind of pleasure. So you, this is why lots of young Chinese. You will read in my book. You see the single child. They talk about the parents. They said their parents hardly talk to each other. They never seen the parents hug each other, need each other. When they ask me why, I have no idea. But I discovered it's from a very heavy bleeding in London. Then the doctor asked me, "Say, do you know your what's happened to your body?" I said, "No, I never had anything." Then the doctor said, "No, you have something in your body." I said, "Oh, that's normal. Everybody use that 
for the stop of pregnancy. Then they said, no, you have a different. When I heard this news, so back to China during my research, I interviewed so many doctors. Then they said, yes. So this kind of society, we, when the policy come in, we didn't have a very much support from all the levels. So this is why very difficult for the family and for the children. I'm a generalist. I'm working with the BBC World Service as a freelance consultant for them. But I heard so many Western media to give this kind of judgment from their window shopping knowledge. You know? So I really want to have something people can see from individual family or personal life to see what's the policy in fact the Chinese society rather than talk about academic theories. So this is why I wrote this book as an invitation from this first generation of one-child policy to invite people to see what they feel, what they experienced, what they you know, struggled, than to understand them. Because they are China's future as well, after 30 years. So this is why I came here for this book. And this book, to be honest with you, I'm not very confident because not my generation, not my parents' generation, it's my son's generation. And for today's young people, they're very strong the view. They believe we know nothing, particularly in China, you know. And my son come to London, that become a little bit more difficult because anything he disagree with me, then he said I'm too Chinese. Yeah, and anything I said, doesn't matter I'm Chinese or Western, okay, I'm a mother. Mother is uh, someone you never replace or never know. Then he just say, oh, I know you're a mother, but I, have you ever thought about my human rights? <laughs> Chinese children never dare to say that. Yeah? So this, yeah. 27, yeah. Still is Chinese there, I don't know, this kind of teenager things come up very slow, much later. Yeah, you see from the, my books, all of them, almost all of them, come much later. And after university, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I missed a beat with what you were saying before about um, there's something about the, the lack of government support, and it was crucial to agricultural people. And I, I was wondering what that is. I'm worried that I might be the only person in the room that didn't get that. No, you're um, not. But that, that was, it's clearly become, it's a very crucial part of your narrative. Can you explain what was the lack of government support that led to this friction in families? Must be my language or my mind won't running because last night I come back from a, how do you say, a barrel. And uh, by 11.30, then this morning, first interview, 7.30. After seven interview, one talk, I came here. I think I just, uh, my English jumping the queue. Forgive me. Anyway, no, no, no. I will try. I will try. And, uh, okay, I th what I, my personal belief of what the government is missing when they brought, bring the, uh, brought this policy into the society. Okay, the first of all, before this policy, China living the 
traditional belief is a big family, because we didn't have this kind of religion society. We never had. Okay, we have a Buddhist or Taoist or Confucius. That's all much later. That is a philosophy. It's not national religion. Never had. We didn't have. We never had this kind of social system in China, based on family. Yeah, our structure and the culture is very much based on family, rooted by family. Like I told people, when you swear in the West, okay, or you say something dirty words, after something you, okay, my Chinese will say mother. When you say, oh my God, the Chinese say my mother, okay. When you promote it as a government, yeah, and the other people will say, oh now you become my parents. That is our culture. So when this policy come in, that is completely opposite Chinese culture beliefs. Yeah. So this is. Yeah. That's right. This first thing. So secondly, Mao Zedong, when he struggled with the Soviet and America in 1950s, so he encouraged that generation. They had many children. As you can, we need a big nation stand up in front of Soviet and the com-、uh, America. So before this policy was a huge family, then suddenly you tell the family say no, you can't have the child more than one. So yeah, so so for the society they couldn't you know turn turn this、uh, position the, the direction at all. Then between the policy come in as the rule. Not law. This policy become a law only 2001. Just party policy. Then come to those family society. It's just a straight way. For example, if I want to adopt someone or have another child, not just I lost my house or job. It's my radio station. They all seven leaders were lost their job. So. Make you have to follow this as beliefs, and because this kind of very strong policy and the culture beliefs and the struggle against each other. So in the school, for example, in the kindergarten, we used to teach kids when this is your teacher, that means more important than your parents. Okay, this is our culture, but.、Uh, In the knowledge, they never been told or educated in this way. So lots of single kids come to the school or kindergarten, just the king. Think about teacher; they have to deal with the fifteen or twenty, even sixty kings in the classroom. It's very difficult, and the family as well. And the family, how to deal with if you have a psychological problem, or you have this lonely or fear? So no such a society psychologist, Chinese psychologist come in start education very late. So this is like totally empty. So this is why I'm talking about the struggle and the fear. In the whole society, like you go to China, for example, you have a dream. Okay, you have a good idea to go to China. You don't have a language. You don't have a knowledge. Even you don't understand about the food. So first things you copy from others. If there is nothing to copy, 
it's quite difficult for you. The people gave you a piece of land and say, okay, you live by yourself. So this is something that happened when the policy come in. But this, sorry. About the population control, though. I mean, there must have been some good results. Oh, yes. You know, China was swelling and swelling, all these rural people starving and having hundreds of children, and then they were dying a lot yeah. of them. So, I mean, there's some positive... Definitely. Definitely. In anything in the history in our life, I always believe three sides, even not two sides. Two sides, black or white, could be a sharp, very sharp knife. Okay? Always a third side there. And this policy, we have to know, first of all, 400 million population less. If you analyze the Indian, in Indian, they have a 54% of the population younger, uh, the age, younger than 30 years old. So in the same time, they double the population, Indian. So China, this is a big gift to the world, 400 million population less. Yeah, yeah, for the, the results, the nature, energy, everything, okay? And secondly, I think because this policy, China had a chance to recover or had to breathe from a very poor country become super rich. Because if you go to the countryside, I remember one friend tried to understand the Mao, why Chinese people follow the Mao. So they went to countryside research. I said, go to the countryside, the rice field, to see the path people, people working on so narrow. Why? You ask a local peasant. They said, each single mouth, okay? They fight with each inch of the land because the population grow, land not grow. So finally cut their road for the more food. So in this way, I think uh, this policy is really help China got the chance recover, rebuild, and also China has done remarkable in thirty years time. Honestly, one point three billion people, just the one generation changed. In my generation, I have to queue in long time for a piece of the tofu for the family every month. Just uh, 30, 40, 40 years ago. Just like that. Yeah. 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. Nothing there. And the whole family only half kilo cooking oil. If you're lucky, you can get it. So what's that? Now, other things I would just say, because of this policy, Chinese girls' value really improved in the cities, yeah? And if you read the news, by 2020-25, there are 30 million men more than women. Okay? So when they want a wife, must be wife become a very... Uh, valuable, okay. <laughs> so definitely. But my question is, I'm not laughing about this number. According to the nature, that means 30 million girls missing yes. as well. Where are 
Yeah, where are they? So this is all from my life homework. I want to find the answer. This answer, not academic, not expert, not something. It's just a personal journey to visit, to interview actually more than 300 people face to face, included. No, this one is 100, more than 100 a single child. Because I don't think one color can explain this situation. So I interview them. But for the book, you can't get all. So I choose them from a different part of China, and different family background, and different classes, and different education. It's more important, I want to, my friends, when you read it, that as an invitation to invite you go into deep countryside and a deep culture and a family life, try to understand China rather than just window shopping by the Western media. So that is my heartfelt message to you. Yeah. So I think we should thank Jinran and then we'll go to questions. Yeah, there are lots of good questions. Thank you so much. Yeah, so uh, I'm Annalisa. Um, so I'm three quarters of the way through the book and I have an only child, as does my friend. So I was just, I mean, I was interested in your book for many reasons, but mainly because I'm a, you know, only child mother. Have you done comparisons of only children in Britain, you live there, or is this a, something that you look at all over the world or just in China? Well, first of all, only for my understanding mm. of this society. That's no question. Mm. Um, but because there's all the character, mm. they stay with me in London. Yeah, yeah. So Amazing. you can see the difference between them yeah. and a the single child in the Western society. Yeah. But difference I found is not just cultural, you know, lifestyle. Yeah. It's their thinking. Yeah. In the West, even their single child, they have classroom, you know, they have someone to argue, to sharing, to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for Chinese children, they're just totally uniform, the single yeah. child society. Yeah. Everybody only believe what they had because this is, a, you know, Don't what they're living. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just a civil. Sorry, but they must these they must argue with each other in the they classroom. They argue or each other. Yes, absolutely. They argue each other all as a single child. And right. that, like my son, his classmates had some single child family, and had most is you know two or three children family. So you hear their conversation, okay? When they single child complain something. And the other brother's sister would say, oh, and it's not. Even the, between the brother's sister, they say, it's unfair if you say mom like this. Or say, no, dad is not like that. They can share this. 
Okay, that is actually very important. The human lesson. This is your first lesson of a, a, how do you say, human society. You know how to share and how do you say, fight. Okay, but if you're single, you don't have this society, but you can get it from classroom. If you don't have the chance from classroom, like now, lots of young Chinese when they talk, even this few days, I met so many single Chinese already. They always said, my mom different all of others. Of course, different. <laughs> they can't see the another side. This is a, it's a difference, one thing. Another thing is because when your parents gossip each other all with a huge fear, okay? then you don't have this kind of colorful information. So everybody become panic. That is also a big problem to their children. So really, it's terrible. Oh, terrible. terrible. I know that fear. If you lose one child, that's it. I think that must be terrible. Every person with one child has that fear. Every person with children has that fear. But how exacerbated it must be. Yeah. There must be so many questions here. Come on. And I'd like the people with Chinese backgrounds in the audience. <laughs> That's a bigger challenge to Chinese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's a really nice talk. And um, my name is Xue Ting. I am the um, one of the single child generation <laughs> from China. And I resonate very well with what you said before. And um, I think I learned how to share and being considerate when I live apart from the family. Um, and also, um, it's when I come to Australia, um, I realize how important friends is, and also I learn how to trust friends. And it's, I always, um, I, Im I want to imagine what to feel to like to have a sister. Um, but I think um, the closest feeling I can have is with my friends here, which I never experienced that feeling when I was in China. Um, one question I have for you is, I'm curious, when you did this research in China and interview families and uh, parents in China, were they, co were they, how to say, open for you? Were they cooperative? And did you experience any difficulties from the governments? Uh, well, uh, you have to take a time to open. I'm not successful. Until now, I haven't opened my mom. I know I'm, my mom's been through a lot. When I published the good, uh, China One Nurse, first one was my mom. Because uh, when I was little, I was in a political jail. And then my mom was in prison. The what happened to the family during that uh, 10 years Cultural Revolution, we never mentioned. My mom is over 80, yeah. 85. No. It's many. I, I, I believe many Chinese, uh, we have this kind of secret. We don't talk about this kind of thing to our generations, even between the, you know, lovers, uh, couples, uh, couples. Yeah. This is a part is a culture, part is a fair as well. Very difficult. But those people, I start from 1980s. 
try to learn because I was very naive when I become a generalist. I thought I knew everything. I have a degree, I worked uh, 12 years, blah, blah. When I went to the countryside, I was just so shocked. I never knew China has that part of the you know, poor life. Then I interviewed people, I was another shock. Is I never heard something happen to my mom's generation that I missed in my education and the, the, the society I grew up. No, no, in the classroom. First time I come to Australia, five Chinese students stood up against me in Melbourne. First of all, say, Xinran, you lie. We never had a cultural evolution. You just tried, made up a story to please to the West. Oh. Yes, 2002, I promise you. And then nowadays, much better. By 2005, I interviewed 22 Chinese students by the Tiananmen, Wang Fujin. Only one told me right answer. Others, oh, against the Japanese. Someone said, oh, Vietnam War? It's like this. Because it's not your fault. Because nothing in the family to tell you, yeah? And nothing in your classroom, textbook. And the society, no one talk about it. How could you know? We don't. No, because we come from this kind of culture background. We used to have a very crude law called Jiu Lian Zuo. Yeah? All the way start 220 BC something. That law said if one person says something wrong, Okay, did something wrong. 3,000 families should be killed. They did, all the way until 1911. This is why many people follow the Mao, because the Mao didn't do the same way. Only killed one person, or one family. So the one thing is this. Secondly, the parents didn't want their children have trouble. Because young people, they just speak without a limit or something. That in the political weather, any second you can get in trouble. So they don't talk about this. So back to your question, it's difficult. But when I send my question from the Australia girl, she, no, no, the girl went to New Zealand. She didn't know anything until she moved to New Zealand. So she said to me, she hated her mom because her mom overprotected her, treated her as a pet. I was really shocked by, by her reaction. Actually, this is not one person. If you read many of them, this reaction. Like I say, I never had this kind of normal life. No friend, no, every day just between the homework and the, yeah, school, you know that. So afterwards, she hated her. Yeah? So when I send this sentence back to the parents, the parents become very angry, say, we love the only one. We protect them because of love. Then they treated us like slaves. That is a broken Chinese beliefs. Very difficult for parents as well. Because this guy, I know, my, my son used to have a backpacker in Australia. Each single day, I was like in prison. So scared, his backpack here. 
you know, I just thought, where is he? Where that all my Chinese friends said, you're crazy. But I did. I want he feel something he did in his life as independent person rather than covered by my wings. But not easy for mother. Yeah. So I think very important is go back to your mother, talk to them, say, now you grow up. Yeah? You can take over. You can hold a roof for them. They can rest. I believe that. Try. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? John Courtney, I live in Beijing. Um, the, a macro question, you discussed the 400 million baby, uh, children that weren't born, and the, an outcome of that which is important is that 600 million people in the last 30 years have been lifted out of poverty. So that's an interlinkage that is not often discussed. As tragic as the one-child policy was, the outcome for Greater China was significant. Yes, I think it's good to recognize. Yes, a balance between the. Between uh, that's the a two. huge. That's a, the the huge difference uh, between the city and the countryside. Actually, if you drive, as you said, if you drive from Shanghai any direction, five hours, you can see more than hundred years different. Right. Already, I. Um, I set up a charity uh, 11 years ago mm. called the Mother's Bridge of Love. And the reason I set up the charity was, uh, first of all, I traveled around the world. I asked the students <coughs> I lectured. I said, what's your idea about Chinese culture? So most of them, almost 90% of them say Chinese takeaway. I really hurt by that. <laughs> yes. I was Beautiful civilization, beautiful art, beautiful, you know, they have no idea. Just a Chinese takeaway. Yeah. Yes. And uh, secondly, then I never knew so many Chinese girls adopted by Western family because China never talked about this. Okay, this is forbidden. Now, over 150,000 Chinese girls adopted across 27 countries. From 1991, yeah, China opened this uh, uh, international uh, policy, uh, adoption policy from 1992. Actually, before that, America started adoption already. Yeah, so when those children, doesn't matter which country and which language they speak, what's the age they are, always ask me same question: Why my Chinese mom didn't want me? I couldn't answer this because it uh, happened to me. You know, I want my mom, my mom never gave birthday, uh, have a birthday time with me. She's scared about my question because I, I was very naive, always asking her, what happened to you when you are in the cultural evolution? Now afterwards, she just become silenced. Then she didn't want to have a time with me. So she's scared of a question. So I thought about those girls. When did they become a mother? This question will forever. They needed the answer. Where you come from? Why this happened? Yeah, and also that something serious is they can't get help from China. So when they went back to China, 
and the people don't know why they come from. And uh, there is a group called ICC, 600 Chinese girls between the 16 to 26. They went back to China by themselves without you know, thinking or knowledge. So in Shanghai, and the travel guide received them very well. They're very happy. Oh, China, welcome us. That's the first time they went back to China without parents. And then they went down the village, not far away, just in Anhui. Then local people speak Chinese with them. They couldn't react. They didn't understand. Also accents there, you know? So then the local villagers started swearing them. So they deep hurt. So they come back. When I was in America two years ago, then the girls, uh, hundreds of them, I had a conference, a call conference, a telephone conference with them. I said, you give me one question, you all agree. They said, how we forgave our Chinese mother? No. So uh, my question is, why you use forgive? You forgive someone's mistakes or criminal or something, but you have your life because your mom's love and brilliant and brave, okay? Keep your life against the government policy or against the traditional or even against the family. Then your life. But if you carry on this kind of Forgive, how could you be happy? So this is why we try to bring the young Chinese or Western young students back to China, not to travel between the hotel and the airports. No, you can't see real China, as you said. Yeah? What we do, we, we have built uh, 15 libraries in the poorer countryside. They couldn't read and write, but this picture picture. This real story have, have so many stories. I can tell you one gentleman, when I first time met him in the mountain era, he didn't bother answer my question. He straight away to my British husband. Then I said, my husband can't speak English. You have to talk to me. Then he said, you are the woman. Mm. Now another word is a shut up. So third time, I went to see the village because we tried to build the, the library and the school there because too hard for kids to go to school, take more than four hours a day. Just little child, you know. Then what he said, oh, Xinran, now I see what you've done. And now I allowed my granddaughter to eat with me at the same table. I said, how can you change your mind? He said, because the book you gave to me. In the picture, lots of a big nose family, they eat together. <laughs> that book from Dutch. Even I can't understand, yeah, but the picture book. But we try to ship the book, a donation to China, and returned. Because a Chinese custom and law don't allow you to post the book more than 10 copies. Even we set up this art exhibition for the children, they stopped. So that only way we could do is invite young Chinese, the, the young people from all over the world as volunteer. Okay? The best way is with adopted children or family, go to China. First thing is stay with the Chinese family for a few days. 
to feel what Chinese life is uh, in the city. In the city. You can't straight away, no, 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 no way. You, you will get very sick after two days, no toilet, you know. That is very difficult. Then you sit in the Chinese classroom, see how the Chinese student, okay, learning in the silently to have to remember everything. Then you take a long distance bus or slow train to the countryside. Yeah, then you feel and you understand where you come from. Those children adopted. Then you can understand how difficult for your mothers and the family keep your life. And also, that is real China. I do this every year. Into this rural. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And every time I come back, I had a problem. But I have to do that. Can I tell a quick story from yes, Beijing? This is a uh, time for going home for the summer for, uh, for the for the festival, and a young lady who was a PhD student at um, Beida mm. is kidnapped, oh, yes. and she's kidnapped by a farmer in a rural area, and so there's a big effort to just one hunter down and then convince the farmer to give her up and you, the exchanges went like this, she's not going to make a good farm worker because, because we've already brainwashed her and trained her to be a PhD student at Beta. <laughs> no, a wife. Why? Oh, yes. He said, you made miscalculation. There were discussions. Yes. Discussions about we can arrange a good deal with someone from Vietnam, but yeah. this, is, this is going to turn out a bum deal for you. <laughs> Exactly back to my question is this kind of single child, they are highly educated but academic. No daily life. This is the mother protect the daughter, say my daughter is too kind to listen, to follow to everyone. It's the same things. Many young Chinese, they don't have a knowledge out of this. It's a one story in the book called The Wing. She was a top student. And then she come to London, completely changed, upset, completely. Then the mother was really shocked, asked me, How, what's happened to my daughter? When I take time with her, then she said, when I was in China, like a clock, okay, between the school, home, homework, nothing else. This is my life. Then come out, I found that life had the sky. Yeah, I could have a storm, I could have a rain, I could have meet men, I could smile to, smile to men, I could have a drink. All of this in China, forget it. For young Chinese, all very bad behavior. Yes, it is. So two weeks ago, China just had this internet study, ask everybody sign a sentence, without a word, you can't live. I don't know, have you joined this? Now, more than half people from internet, young Chinese say, without internet, I can't live. Without a mobile phone, I can't live. Without money, I can't live. Very, very few said, without a family and a friend, I can't live. No. Even love now become a price as well. Yeah? 